Thursday Finance, Barry Preston joining me, Jane Klein, and we do it for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And Barry, we've got lots coming up today. We're looking at fraud and cybercrime and with Matt Craft from the Fraud Squad. We've also got Henry Jennings along with our market snapshot. And right now we're looking at commodities. What's the buzz? Let's have a look at the commodities. There's a lot of red about at the moment uh, in respect to commodities. Gold down 60 Australian dollars to 1330 which is about 4% on what it was the previous uh, week. Silver, not much of a change there, down a a dollar to seventeen dollars eighty-two. I suppose that's a fair bit when you look at the uh, size of the um, or the price of an ounce at seventeen dollars eighty-two. So yeah, eight percent. Yeah, probably significant. Um, copper is down nearly two percent to seven thousand six hundred and eighty Australian per ton. Nickel seventeen thousand four hundred and eighteen, and tin down two percent to twenty-two thousand four hundred and five. All in the red and. Currencies, yes, our currency is weakened against uh, all the currencies that we look at. Uh, the American dollar, 85.81, and that's all you'd get for your Australian dollar. G- uh, the British uh, pence, 53.74, that's down um, uh, nearly 0.1 of uh, British pence. The Chinese yuan rin minbi, 5.24 to the Australian dollar, that's down 0.1. One five yuan rinbi. The New Zealand dollar. Uh, we're not quite one. We're just over one cent down there. You would get approximately one point one one New Zealand dollars for the Australian dollar. The euros point six eight seven to the Australian dollar. Cana- Canada, Canada, dear right I'm tongue twisted today. Canada. for the Australian dollar. So they're all in negative territory there. Are we we worried about this or are we actually finding our Well, the point is there's not much point in worrying about it (laughs) because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, If you're travelling overseas, it's going to cost you more. If you're importing, uh, it's going to cost you more export. Good for our exports because uh, people overseas can buy more exports with the Australian dollar being down. So that's good for the country. And the markets, well, most of the markets are up. The Australian index was up uh, 61 points or 1.13 to 5,492. And the US Dow, another record, 17,484, up 3% or 510 points. The NASDAQ, the tech-heavy NASDAQ, 4,620, up 1.57 or 71 points. The UK FTSE, 85 points ahead to 6,539 or 1.3%. The Japanese Nikkei had a big week because uh, the Japanese uh, Bank of Japan governor said they're going to print more money. So I don't know where they're getting the paper, but anyway. That's up 8.8% to 16,937. And the Hang Seng was the only one to go against a trend, a very small drop of half a percent to, to 23,695. Good news. That's in red territory. Oil, down, down, down. I think they must have that Coles ad. But the American oil is down $3.60 Australian a barrel to $88.34. We probably hear it over the news of $78.68. That's US, of course. And our tapas is down $4.11 to 96.86 Australian to the, uh, for the barrel. That's equivalent to 85 American. Now, Interesting. Fuel prices. Would you believe we, Newcastle, the average uh, Newcastle is 144.4. That's down 1.2 cents for the week. And the Central Coast is 148.2. My question is, the Central Coast has always, apart from the last few weeks, been cheaper than Newcastle. My question is, why is ours cheaper now? 
is not a thing to do with transport. And remember, Grafton was always uh, cheaper than us. Well, we're about the same price as Grafton. And that's a heck of a long way to get petrol up there. Orange, 147.5, and it's been like that for a while. I don't understand. But poor old Tumut, 163.2. So it is certainly nothing to do with transport. If anyone tells you that, uh, I think I think it was one of the movies, The Castle. Tell them they're dreaming. <laughs> And it is Thursday Finance on 2NURFM and Barry Preston back announcing that song. Ricky Nelson. <laughs> and by the way, any companies we mention on our program, uh, you must always get your own product disclosure statement and staff to do with BBY stockbroking and Pritchard and Partners may deal a trade in shares mentioned on this program. And I can't remember the financial services licence That's all right. Let's just get on with our market snapshot. Henry, Reserve Bank, no go. Rates still on hold, and as we do say, they will be for some time. Rates still on hold, Barry, yes. And uh, I do suspect we're going to see rates where they are for some time to come. At the moment, the the RBA has got a tricky balancing act between uh, the the, the bubble property markets um, that are dragging in a lot of uh, of fast money uh, from overseas and uh, and the desire for the the Reserve Bank to get the Aussie dollar down to to help um, exporters. And uh, last night we've had um, some Republican uh, wins in the U.S. midterms, which have sent the U.S. dollar uh, to very, very good uh, levels. And as a result, the Aussie dollar is down. So that, that's good for, uh, for those uh, companies exporting. Could you inform our listeners how you describe a housing bubble? I love this explanation. <laughs> um, you mean that you only get out if there's a panic before everyone else does, and you have to decide whether to look like an idiot before the crash or an idiot after it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, the Murray Financial uh, Inquiry or the Financial Inquiry yeah. of the Financial System, I'll get it in a moment, seems to now be after union super funds in light of some of the allegations uh, not up to standard practices. No, well, I mean, I, I guess uh, the, the union super funds have, have come in for a lot of uh, issues. We've had uh, some, some major problems with the uh, with the, uh, the health workers funds, with um, um, uh, one of the local guys up that way, I think, um, was in some spot of problems. So I think the, the Murray inquiry seems to be quite a broad-ranging inquiry now, um, and they're certainly the unions now in their sights, as well as the banks that report due to... Uh, Having said that, uh, and uh, the big bank profits may be at their peak. Most seem to be uh, getting there by reducing their bad debt, bad debt provisions. And I also note that if the NAB, I believe, if it can shed its English banks, it should uh, see a, a rise in its share price because they just wrote off about a billion dollars there or something, I believe. The, uh, the Aussie banks, another record-breaking uh, uh, set of numbers from the three of them anyway. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, th- these guys collectively making about $30 billion a year in profits out of all of us in Australia and, and overseas, I have to say. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's quite a lot of money. That's over $1,000 profit per man, woman and child in this country. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a lot of money. Um, there's certainly uh, NABs are looking to shift their UK business, which has been pretty, uh, pretty much a millstone around their neck, despite the UK economy being one of the best performing in the world. Um, and you're right, Barry, a lot of the bank profit has come from lower um, bad sort of debt provisions, um, and we've got interest rates quite low. And, 
it, with a housing boom, it would, would appear that uh, at the moment, anyway, the banks are, are, are doing all right on their bad and doubtful debts because of uh, low interest rates. Of course, that could change, and those people that are piled into property at the top of the market may struggle a little bit, and as a result, mm. we may see a rise in those bad and doubtful debts. But I think the banks have still got more um, good years in front of them. I think so. Anyone, this, uh, I'm not too sure on this one. You might know a little bit more about it, but it appears that anyone buying property over 2.5 million from a foreign seller may have to withhold 10% and send it to the Australian tax office. <laughs> this is great, isn't it? Hey, uh, yeah. this, this is great. Um, th- this was something that the Treasury uh, Department has been uh, flying a kite for um, into getting uh, people to actually um, collect tax on their behalf. So it, it's an interesting move if, um, if, <laughs> if the seller who is selling has to uh, with, withhold that sort of uh, 10% of the, of the purchase price and send it to the ATO. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it'll ever come to pass, but it's um, certainly another one of their, their um, interesting ideas. A very courageous uh, minister, I think, uh, Sir Humphrey would say. I think so. I think what will happen there is the solicitor for the uh, uh, the buyer or, or the seller or whoever it is will have to keep it and send it off. Anyway, we'll see what happens yeah. there. Now, um, is somebody, somebody bidding for Channel 10? Um, I don't know if they're bidding for Channel 10 as yet, but there has been an awful lot of rumours um, around Channel 10, um, mainly because it's been such an absolute dog, um, and it does hold what is potentially a, a very lucrative sort of third licence for free-to-air in um, in Sydney but uh, and, and the rest of Australia, but it has been an absolute dog. Um, today they came out and announced that they'd, um, they'd been assessing some uh, potential strategic options for the company, and they'd appointed City uh, Citibank to uh, assess those options. There has been some rumours that even the, the Discovery Channel in the US um, has some interest um, in Channel 10. There's also rumours that Fairfax uh, and Foxtel were going to get together and buy Channel 10. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of billionaires in this country that would be very happy if that happened. Uh, Gina Reinhart, uh, Jamie Packer and, uh, and Lachlan Murdoch would all be very, uh, very happy that uh, something happened with Channel 10. I didn't see your name amongst that list. No, nah, I don't oh. buy dogs. Oh, <laughs> Medibank. This seems to be uh, a little bit of a challenge for some uh, clients who have applied for Medibank shares because they might only get the scraps. What's happening? Well, it, it seems to be very, very popular, Medibank. I don't know whether that's genuinely popular or whether it's just you, uh, with the broker um, sort of firm bids, everyone put in far more than they ever wanted to get on the basis that they were all going to get scaled back. Of course, the danger is of that is that the government calls um, your bluff and you do get 100% of what you ask for. Um, but in this case, most allocations were, were sub-10% of what you applied for. So if you applied for uh, $10,000 worth uh, through one of the brokers in the, in the bidding procedure, you were lucky to get 1000 bucks worth, which mm. hardly makes it a worthwhile yeah, exercise to have read the prospectus to put in the money, etc., etc. So it's all been a little bit uh, frustrating, I think. One last one. IKEA seems that it may not be paying, or is rumoured not to be paying Australian tax, or not much Australian tax, on a turnover of approximately $4.7 billion, and its pre-tax mm. profit was approximately uh, $400 or something, I'm not sure, or 300 It paid $31 million tax. Oops. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the kind of the mouse that roared in some respects, which is an old Peter Sellers film that you and I may uh, remember. But mm-hmm. but uh, there is a um, a country in Europe called Luxembourg, which is doing a very neat line in 
tax avoidance for large corporates, um, and IKEA is certainly one of these, as well as Pepsi, and there's about 300-odd other international companies um, which do secret deals where they stash um, their um, their money in Luxembourg, um, and um, there's not much in Luxembourg apart from um, money. their profits. <laughs> um, and as a result, they can avoid paying tax in the, the country where they actually make the money, which does seem ridiculous, and it's a massive, massive business around the world and something that the politicians really have to get a grip on because we are in a global economy now uh, and just shifting your profits to some uh, some strange little country in the middle of nowhere um, is, is seems a little bit uh, dubious at best. Thursday Finance for our sponsor Pritchard and & Partners and Barry Preston, our market snapshot as we head overseas with Henry Jennings. We certainly are, and I'm sorry, the lead jet wouldn't fire up, so we'll just have to do it by memory. But oil, a big challenge oil. here. Now, I believe the, the Saudis are cutting the oil price to compete uh, with the USA and OPEC. I really don't follow this sort of thing, and I think it was at Venezuela and Mexico are in there also. What are we just yep. cutting the price to sort of keep our market, or what? Well, I guess um, I mean one of the big game changers for the U.S. economy in the last few years has been the rise of shale, um, the oil and gas that comes out of fracking um, in uh, Texas and other places, and it, it has provided the U.S. with, with very cheap energy, um, and as a result, their businesses and industries have been going quite well. Um, they've now set to become the world's biggest oil producer by, I think, the year 2015, 2016, uh, and the Saudis, understandably, who are the world's biggest oil producer, are a little bit upset about this, and so they're trying to push the price down of oil um, to make it uneconomic for some of these U.S. shale people to uh, to be in business. And it's very sensitive business, and it requires a lot of drilling and a lot of money, and so if you get the price of oil down far enough, then a lot of those investors that are, are funding all those operations will be uh, spooked, and uh, they're hoping that the U.S. oil industry will, will uh, be cut back considerably to allow them once again to reign supreme in the oil business. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, I understand. Bank of Japan stimulates again. Now, the Nikkei apparently shot up the other day, uh, and the Australian dollar went down, of course, again also with the strength of the US dollar. Are authorities trying to stimulate inflation, which once upon a time was the enemy of everyone? Yes, um, apparently inflation now is good deflation bad um, and the Japanese, uh, the Bank of Japan came out unexpectedly, very unexpectedly. I mean no one loves a surprise from the Japanese but this one was uh, was a good surprise um, last week on Halloween and announced they would be pumping even more money into uh, into their economy in the hope that they can change it and, uh, and get inflation going. Um, it, it's kind of a bit of a, a desperate move but of course equity markets love that because it's, it's free money coming into the system and you can take the free money and put it to work in other assets and the Japanese the Japanese market has just gone absolutely ballistic um, ever since um, and it has sort of fired up markets around the world um, as all this free money sloshes about again but whether it will be a long term success remains to be seen, I'm a little dubious myself mm. Casinos, and I'm not talking about the casino up near Lismore, but the gambling casinos are finding it a bit tough. Apparently the world's biggest gamblers are tightening their belts and the turnover in Macau, I think is the pronunciation, is it not? It's it down. Is 
down, it down, down. Well, well, Macau is the big sort of outlet for the Chinese gambler, which are the sort of whales that uh, that feast around the world on uh, on punting. Um, and the problem they've had is that the Chinese government's had a bit of a crackdown on anti-corruption and any uh, anti-money laundering. And of course, casinos, as you and I both know, Barry, because that's where we go to launder all our money, um, are the best places to do it. Hey. So they have they have suffered considerably in Macau from this uh, from this crackdown on uh, any anti-money laundering. So not having such a good time, and of course, um, uh, their businesses are very much predicated on uh, massive, massive turnover from uh, from Chinese punters. Talking about laundering money, I thought that's why we made plastic notes, so when you laundered them, they drew, they dried quite easily. I laundered all my plastic notes. That's good, that's good. Now, this is interesting. It seems that the Australian Greek community owning property in Greece could cop big fines, even property seizure, unless they disclose this by the end of November. Now, is this a, a serious report or is it yes, speculation? It is. No, it is. It's, it's serious stuff. I mean, the uh, the Greek government has uh, has been upping the uh, the tax that property owners have to pay in Greece, um, and as a result, I think there's a deadline coming up. Um, and if they haven't paid the back taxes that they are owed, uh, the Greek government is uh, is going to look to uh, for punitive kind of measures, including uh, confiscation of your property. So uh, it probably will pay uh, those Australian Greeks who have property in Greece to uh, to get their affairs in order before. Suddenly they're looking for a new villa. And at the end of November next year. Yes. At the end of November. Ooh. Mm. Now this is interesting. We knock our banks, but we're lucky, I suppose. We still get interest. If you were lucky enough to own an account <laughs> in, uh, in I think it's in the euro area with five hundred thousand euros, you would have to pay. I think it's the German bank 025 percent to have that money in the bank. You would have to pay them, eh? It's good, isn't it? It's 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 a good system where yeah. you know if you have lots of money in the bank you actually have to pay them for looking after your money for the privilege of of course here in Australia we're used to that concept because we <laughs> seem to be paying bank fees they don't call it negative interest here they just call it bank fees um, but it all amounts to the same thing in that you have the privilege of them hanging on to your money um, while charging you extortion amounts to uh, to go to the ATM and get access to your money <laughs> so it's a beautiful system Barry Henry when are you on Sky again? Uh, next Wednesday. Wednesday, what time? Uh, 12 o'clock. Okay, I hope they make you up as they normally do and look as they, good as you normally no, do. I get no makeup, no touching up at Sky. I'm Seriously? Afraid. Oh, fair enough. Okay, yeah. cheapskates. Anyway, Henry, thank you very much indeed. Keep safe. See you next week. On to a new RFM, it's 18 to 1. This is Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners, and uh, Barry Preston. And we're very lucky today to have Detective Inspector Matt Kraft, who's had many years' extensive experience, including covert investigation unit, qualified police negotiator at counter-terrorism level, and now Matt is the investigations coordinator at the State Crime Command Fraud and Cybercrime, and he's here to help us be alert and understand a little bit more about a lot of these scams. Matt, it's always uh, a prominent one. ID crime, identification crime. Is this on the increase and what sort of tips can you give us to keep ahead of the crims? Yes, good afternoon. Look, identity crime is something that people really need to, to watch out for. It costs Australia an estimated about $1.6 billion per year. So that's billions of dollars. And that, uh, you know, it is one of those crime types, the categories that is on the increase that we need to be um, alert for. Um, 
generally, um, some criminals will seek to um, take over an identity, which is quite common. So we need to make sure that people are aware that they need to reduce the opportunities where they can become a victim of that. Um, and some of that relates to, um, it can be as simple as just making sure you clear your mail out of your mailbox on time. If you're going away, make sure the neighbour picks it up for you so that you don't leave your details, your personal details, whether they be banking or otherwise, around for other people to, uh, to be able to steal. Um, and when you're finished with your banking statements and your documents, um, shred them or tear them up. Don't just throw them in the bin so that other people can get access to them that way. Um, it's about limiting the opportunities where offenders can get hold of um, your personal details. But if somebody rings you unsolicited, um, don't provide them with your dates of birth and your full names and your address. It, it's not required, particularly for unsolicited calls. Um, so it's just important that people just be aware that there are people out there that will seek to obtain your personal details, um, and we should be mindful of that. And you won't know either. Uh, uh, this is happening. So uh, mentioning about the mail uh, mailbox, it's probably a good idea to put a lock on your mailbox. Absolutely, and it needs to be a sturdy type, uh, a sturdy mailbox. It's not easily manipulated. And, you know, if people are concerned that their identity may have been taken over or that, that there's some concern, um, I'd strongly encourage them to report it to the police. That's the very first thing I need them to do because if police are going to do something about it, we need to know what's going on and we need people to come forward and report it. But also, too, um, you know, you may be able to conduct a, a credit check on yourself just to make sure that people haven't opened up credit card accounts or loans in your name. So um, there's just those simple things that we can do. Just don't throw your personal documents in the bin. Rip them up. Make sure they're destroyed. Matt? The superannuation scam, is this still operating and how does this one operate? I mean, this could be very, very damaging to a person. Absolutely. Look, people work hard for their money. They, they save for their retirement. Um, and, you know, often people are looking for investment opportunities. The golden rule here is if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Okay. Um, and with all of these scams, they offer significant rates of return over a very short period of time, which are just unable to be matched by any other legitimate um, investment opportunity. So, you know, be wary of those unsolicited phone calls, the, the mail that you may receive, phone calls asking you to invest. Um, you know, uh, offenders are very, very uh, good at gaining information um, and will make those calls. Um, if you're in doubt, go and seek the advice of your accountant, maybe a friend, um, before investing because you really need to understand exactly what it is that you're committing to. So mm -hmm. you need to be afraid or, or challenge, be, be available and, and be ready to challenge the person and, and what they're going to do and what they're offering. So, um, And just don't provide your personal information um, over the phone. You need to have that face-to-face -face meeting and make sure that they are from a legitimate company. Um, and if they are legitimate, they'll always be happy to meet with you, talk in person, show you all the documentation, but you just need to be wary. And also you can get information from APRA if that superannuation scheme that they're offering you is genuine. So, And it's about genuine. And you want to do your research. Google the company that they're after, that they're suggesting that they're from, seeing whether there's anything on the, um, on the Australian Crime Commission scam website and, or on our own 
the fraud and cybercrime Facebook site. What's the address um, of that, uh, Matt? Sorry, to interrupt. What's the address of that uh, look, website? I don't have it on me. I'm oh, happy to enough. supply it to you. Sorry, I, I don't have it. But I'll if mention they, it. If, hmm. if you if you certainly Google Scam Watch, um, it will all come up there. Where oh, we, fantastic! You know, everybody, all government agencies regularly list those um, those the most high-profile scams that we identify. And now, one before we go for a little break, the romance scam. Now, how does it operate? Is it common and one to be careful of? Because this can cost a lot of people a lot of money. A lot of money and over a very short period of time. Look, it is on the increase, and uh, it's about uh, particularly uh, the online dating sites, social network sites, a number of fake profiles are set up, and that, uh, you know, the, the, the scammer will tell generally a highly emotive story um, and, you know, portray themselves as being somebody who's caring and thoughtful. Um, and then they start and ask you for money. Um, and invariably, in all the matters that are reported to the police, not long after they start to engage with people online, there's a plea for financial assistance. That should be the very, very first red flag that comes up. Um, and in addition to that, within a very short period of time, these scammers will tell you that they have very strong feelings for you. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it, it may sound, you know, uh, uh, trivial, but, you know, people do get caught up with this, particularly those people who are a little lonely. And if they do have some concerns, you know, I'd ask them to talk to the police. And there are some very simple things that you can do. So, you know, if you're online, making sure that you just don't provide confidential information to people you don't know or that you've never met. Mm. Well, you would never have met these particular no, people. No, no. But common sense is, uh, is something that we don't teach anywhere these days, but it's most important. Listen to what you're hearing and don't let your heart rule. This is Thursday Finance at 821, and we're talking fraud and cybercrime, Barry Preston. We are with Detective Inspector Matt Craft from the uh, Fraud and Cybercrime in Sydney now skimming the old ATM, and I believe you guys were very successful recently with some arrests in our neck of the woods. Sure. The uh, Newcastle local area command have, have recently arrested a, a male who uh, we will allege uh, it has been involved in uh, ATM skimming. Um, it's something that we see, um, you know, frequently, um, and it comes in waves, but uh, essentially it involves people adding... Um, particular hardware to uh, the front of ATM machines and it's generally a card reader which goes over the slot where you insert your card and then a small, a very small pinhole camera which will be somewhere near the keypad. Um, and what they're attempting to do there is is uh, copy your card data and also uh, record your PIN. So there is a bit of technology there and uh, it the banks are working very hard to install technology within their uh, ATMs themselves to prevent that. But uh, it still occurs. Now, the best way for people to prevent this from becoming a victim is to cover their hand when they enter their PIN. So when you approach an ATM, have a look at it. Make sure that there's, um, you know, it looks normal um, and that when you actually enter your PIN, Cover it. Use a paper. Use your handbag, your wallet, um, a jumper. Make sure that you cover the, the actual hand that you, you uh, enter the pin in with. 
also, I try to, I endeavour to use the same ATM so they look familiar. And also, if I see something protruding from where the pin or the card goes in, I'll grab it and try and wrestle it from. I'll probably break one one day. But if it comes off, then I'll take it straight into the uh, the bank, or if the bank's closed, I'll take it and take it to the police. But please. That's something. You pe- you see people at the shops, Coles, Woolies and so forth, putting their pin in. No cover. I mean, strike me pink. Let's go yeah. back to school when we let, uh, tried to stop the kids copying from us. It's yeah. protecting your signature. That, that's right, because there are no signatures anymore. And mm. your pin is that it, it's very personal. You shouldn't disclose it to anybody else. Um, and I'd encourage everybody to protect it. So whether you are at, uh, you know, using the FPOS machine or the ATM, and if you do cite anybody hanging around an ATM or you do see something on the front of an ATM that you don't think is legitimate, uh, if it's during business hours, go into the bank, make sure you tell them, or alternatively call the police and we'll come straight round and actually have a look. Because it's important that we get the information from uh, members of the public because they are our ears and eyes and are a really good source of information for the police to follow up on these things. Now, emails, Matt, those little emails that come through, there's a survey here, look, do this short survey and we will send you $50 to your account, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Generally always a scam or, or, or maybe not uh, you know, a scam. There are, there's trying to solicit personal information to add you to customer lists so that you can then be further bombarded with other emails and so on and so forth. So I treat them with suspicion, particularly if they're unsolicited. Uh, delete them. Um, when you receive them, and, and um, please don't supply any personal details when you uh, when you return. You just need to use a little bit of common sense. Think about well, once you hit send, that information is gone. It. You can't get it back. Oh, um, so you need to be very careful about that. Okay, Detective Inspector Matt Craft, thank you very much for being a part of our program. Keep please safe, up. and we'll catch up later. Thank you very much. Bye. And Thursday Finance coming to an end on 2NURFM. Thank you, Barry Preston. Keep safe, everybody. See you next week. We'll be back after the midday news on 2NURFM. Coming up is the news, and that's in two minutes' time, three minutes, in fact. And following that, Julian Campbell will be along with Business, the Law and You. Here's Andy Kim.